Mature, Mature content. content. Listener discretion is advised. And blessings, fellow journeying tarot nerds. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the TV and Tarot Talk podcast, where we chill, chat, and tarot. I am your host, Naya Thrice. And I'm Meg Watson. The aim of this podcast is to explore tarot in a chill, casual, and fun way through the lens of TV and pop culture. TV and Tarot Talk podcast is meant to be a safe place to explore concepts, as stories and shows can serve as a shared experience to build an understanding from. For this set of The Walking Dead episodes, we will only be covering the 22 major arcana cards and a few bonus episodes sprinkled in before deep diving into another TV series. This is a rewatch spanning the whole of the AMC's The Walking Dead universe, so beware because spoilers are ahead. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Warning! 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 Spoiler! And now for your hosts. This is episode 7, and in today's episode, we will be exploring the chariot card. Hi, Meg! Hi, Naya. <laughs> um, all right. So do you have like an ideal amount of like tarot decks that you want to have? Ooh, not not an exact number. Yeah. It's more about a deck by deck basis. And like I, just, it, I prefer to have decks that I use. Yeah. But I definitely have some that are like, this is just pretty or... This is more of a, like, study thing. Yeah, see, uh, yeah, I kind of have minds kind of siloed out like that, too. Like, I was trying to do the math, like, in terms of just dailies, right? I typically use Mm -hmm. one deck per month, so that's 12 decks. So let's say I I had 12 decks. I wouldn't get back to circle back to that first deck. Mm-hmm. for 12 months that's a long time yeah. to not touch a deck now of course i use decks for other purposes besides dailies but it was just mm-hmm. like trying to figure out in a weird mathematical way <laughs> like how can i like do you ever like you know have certain decks where it's just like man i just want to use this deck because i haven't used it in a while oh for sure yeah you know so i think ideally I'd like to have like my like I guess working collection like the ones that I kind of cycle through for dailies and for readings for other mm-hmm. people. Uh, I think twelve sounds like a pretty number, but if I could <laughs> if I could get it to be at like twenty, I think I would feel good about that. And that's just working stuff because I do have a coll- specifically like a collection of like writer weights that are. Or like mm-hmm. different versions from over time, you know, and I don't yeah. really use them, but they're good for referencing and comparisons and stuff. 
And then, like you said, and then there's the pretty artworky ones <laughs> where it's like, I have a museum on a box. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Anyways, so there, there. See, that's a good little rambly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one thing that we have not uh, mentioned to folks uh, or remind, have we reminded them? I don't even know. But you know what I love when people share the love and subscribe and give us feedback. You know. Yeah, we have not gotten any feedback. No, no. We got a couple of uh, like we got a couple of ratings on yeah. uh, Apple Apple Podcasts, like three of them. Um, but we haven't actually had reviews on there, so it would be great to let us know what we're doing right or where there might be some room for improvement because we, we want to hear from you. We are on a journey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And for the other kind of feedback that we want where we would like the community to be, you know, you guys, listeners to be, if you want to be more involved in the conversation, we now have a send voicemail button on taronerds.com. It's right on, right in the, um, in the menu, uh, where you can send up to a 90 second voicemail, uh, voice message. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Isn't that exciting? So I, I can't wait to, you know, start getting that kind of feedback where we can add it to part of the program. You know, that, yeah, that's going to be pretty great. Um, and then also with that, you don't have to download anything. There's no special equipment needed. You know, if you have your like if you have a smartphone, you could just click it and it'll just use your microphone. And and it gives you a chance to re-listen to it to make sure, you know, it sounds OK before you send it. So it's actually pretty cool. All right. Other than that, we can jump right in. Yeah. All right. Keywords. Keywords. We have uh, victory, ambition, success, overcoming obstacles, self-discipline, willpower, control of opposing forces, movement, travel, leadership, a developed ego, confidence and direction, ego mask or persona, self-knowledge, know thyself, prestige, honor, achievement, clear purpose, uh, travel, forward progression, conquest, uh, pursuit of initiative. Uh, and then, of course, for the, for the uh, maxims of magic, we have to dare. Yes, yes. And then in uh, the reverse position, it would be like lack of control and, la and lack of direction, notoriety and recklessness, uh, Machiavellian mm -hmm. tendencies, and also escapism. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also over control. Over control. Yeah. So like lack of control and direction, but also um, like controlling the outer because you can't control the inner. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I get it, I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then as a, as a person, like a traveler, uh, like driver, pilot, uh, runners, walkers, messengers, victors. I think you can even do military personnel here as well. Um, mm -hmm. As objects, any transportation vehicle, because even these boots were made for walking. <laughs> uh, and the astrological attribution is the zodiac sign of cancer and the element is 
water. Okay, Meg, it's time to get into the points. <laughs> Talk about the show. Um, <laughs> well, going like chronologically, the first one has to be Dale with the RV. Okay. Uh, the, R- the RV is sort of the centerpiece of the, the campsite. It's kind of a rallying energy. Um, everybody kind of builds their the, – the camp is kind of built around the RV. So it's this – hub kind of for their community yeah dale also has that understanding of the relationship between thought and feeling his actions are based on weighing facts and emotions and like considering the sides but he's also you know very sure of himself on a moral ethical level Um, When he does veer too far in one direction, like making Andrea's decision for her RE, whether or not to kill herself, um, he course corrects. He owns his mistake and is like, yeah, that was not my decision to make. I give responsibility of your life back to you. Oh, the world we know is gone. But keeping our humanity, that's a choice. Uh, and he's a- appealing to people's better judgment and asking them to, you know, do that balancing of facts and emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, are you making this decision because it you're scared or are you making it because you've thought it through? Right. Yeah. I didn't even consider dealing he- with this card. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. It makes a lot of sense because you're right. He does. Uh, he's he's he vocalizes. Hanging on to yeah. Yeah, he's hanging on to the, the two sphinxes, as it were, Yeah, of thought and emotion and steering them down the, the path that he wants the group to go down. Yeah. Which is that, you know, um, maintaining humanity and integrity and moral fortitude. That's so good. I don't, I don't know if I have anything to, uh, uh, you know. <laughs> it's it's funny because in the context of a reading, the chariot card, I can read it. But theming it out mm-hmm. proved challenging for me a little bit. Because I'm like, in what, there's almost like, and, and it is because there is the, the, the opposing forces um, that come through for that mm-hmm. card. And I think that's what I was struggling with, too. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it took me into the last maybe like few episodes to really get some some serious notes for this card. Yeah, yeah, like that's one I had to sit with. Yeah, same, same. Like, um, I I had Maggie it in the context of, um, in relation to the chariot card, and in the context of her weighing her values versus her needs when trying to decide mm-hmm. what to do with the prisoners of war from the yeah. saviors. And I just came on the episode where Simon, where they're sitting in the car um, and Simon kills one of her guys and she re- responds by killing one of their, one of theirs and sending it back to Negan and them in the box. Mm-hmm. But it, within, within that particular episode, I think you can really see her struggle because she's not sure if, of the Alexandrians and people from the kingdom are alive or not. So it's like in her mind, all this weight just got put on her to like be the leader, to keep 
driving forward to, to continue fighting, mm-hmm. the, you know, fighting uh, and leading this resistance effort against the saviors. But it's, it's just those values and the needs. Like, how do you, how is she, the, the struggle that she's going through, I feel is very evocative of the, of the chariot energies within mm-hmm. like those couple of episodes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's in the middle of a war. So it's about, you know, becoming victorious, uh, steering in that direction. Yeah. I think. And I mean, where she's. Where she's at with Hilltop or where Hilltop is at, um, mm-hmm. it's like finding that middle ground between the Savior's complete control and Gregory's complete lack of control. Oh, that's good. Like there's got to be a middle ground and Maggie's determined to find it. That's – yeah, exactly, exactly. And in in uh, for context, for those of you guys listening, it's like season eight around like episode 14, 15 – uh, sixteen, some somewhere around there. Um, where where you kind of can feel that weight of of like that chariotness and and Maggie's kind of situation and stuff. Yeah, because it was and like. She, go ahead. Um, we've got we, there's a couple of scenes where she's you know getting really emotional about what's going on mm-hmm. and kind of like sets that aside because there's work to be done. Like Daryl sees her crying at one point, and then she like. She doesn't realize that he sees it and she kind of, you know, takes a deep breath, wipes her eyes and goes back inside to like take care of business. Right. And there are a few moments like that where you see her kind of acknowledge that she's having these feelings and then say, okay, but I need to be in control of them. They can't be in control of me. There's work to be done. Yeah. 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 Like when she when she kills that that prisoner of war to send him back in a box. Right. When Mm -hmm. she walks when she walks away from that and she's walking back towards the house she starts crying like in the yeah. middle of that it's just like you can tell it was not an easy choice the for her. struggle was real yeah 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 really good really good ebb and flow of just balancing the emotions versus things you got to do and values mm-hmm. and <laughs> just like all the things um i mean that's really all i have for maggie in, in context of um of the well, then it, to juxtapose, juxtapose that, um, Pamela as reversed chariot, same kind of idea of like, how do you focus your intentions and your feelings and your thoughts towards a goal? And um, Pamela has that more... You know, I I can't control my own stuff, so I'll control my outer world. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like when she loses it, she loses it. She's just. I mean, when when she realizes that she shot Judith. Oh yeah. It's like, oh god, I have absolutely no control over any of this, and it's like, no, you don't, because you can't control the situation if you can't control yourself. Right. Yeah, because. Um... And I'm just like looking at um, the chariot card and uh, I'm thinking about the Commonwealth as this fortified like city, you know, Um, and then you have, yeah, you have um, Pamela, like you said, over controlling the situation 
Mm-hmm. But then you have um, Hornsby, who's kind of out there with the with the storm. Yeah, it's almost like Hornsby and Mercer are like the sphinxes. Ooh, like she's trying to control these two very opposing forces. Yeah, yeah, and and they. But she's and, not really trying to control them. She's she needs to, you know, turn inward, work on herself. Well, right, and in 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 the context of like those sphinxes are in control of different sections of like the mm-hmm. armed forces, if you will, of the mm-hmm. Commonwealth, right? And and they're they're trying to go in very different directions. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, and it's funny because I think Commonwealth is re- well, besides the prison, was really like the only like fortified like city. Yeah. I mean, Woodbury a little bit, but it was much, much smaller scale. Well, yeah. Well, no, the the, the prison wasn't even all that fortified because the back half of it was, was uh, there were still zombies coming oh, that's in the right. catacombs. It was all blown out. Yeah. So it wasn't actually fortified up to that point. All right. Now I'm digressing slightly because <laughs> now I'm trying to think about fortification and stuff. Alexandria always seems like they just, it's not fortified either. It's walled in, but it's not fortified, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then I also have for the themes of, like, victory and purpose. So mm-hmm. um, when Team Rick <laughs> wins the all-out war, they have, like, immediate uh implementation plan for what the new world of society should look like mm-hmm. and um rick really like after all the, all that shit talking that he was doing to negan you know he's like i'm gonna kill you and i don't know when i don't know how but one day i will you know he decides not to kill him letting his mercy overcome his wrath and so i was kind of thinking of his mer- mercy and his wrath almost as the opposing sphinxes um mm-hmm. um and then i was like and i'm not sure if he didn't kill him more for mercy or for more to establish like a quasi-political power dynamic i mean ultimately i think it really came down to doing it for carl like yeah. that was pretty much Carl's dying wish. Sure, but there's also that it's it's kind of like when Carl was younger and Rick decided not to kill what's his face, um, the governor. It was like mm-hmm. he he tried he did that and then he took the people in to show Carl the way and Carl had to like remind him of that lesson. Yeah. During his dying wish. So it's like, um, <clears throat> because by this point, Rick has gone through such a character uh, change, you know, that is interesting to just like mm-hmm. stop for a minute to just remember that like he was once officer friendly, where he mostly yeah. just tried to save people by de-escalating the situation, as opposed to him now being like a survival and war hardened person. Um, which is like yeah, the when chariot. They, when they come across the Duke and he's like, oh, I hope he's okay. And Carl's like, no, you've got to do something. Right, right. And so I was just thinking about Rick in that context of being, yeah. um, you know, having the armor on and driving the, you know, driving this whole, like all these plans with Dwight and, and the war and all this kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's hard. And so he has like the armor on and he's still driving forward this particular 
plan that he has. Um, mm-hmm. But then he, at the last minute, he had to decide which which thing he was going to commit to. And ultimately he committed to this, uh, you know, the, that original lesson that he taught Carl, that Carl had to reteach him. And that's, I mean, that keeps coming up over and over and over. Cause I mean, that was Dale's final thing when they, and after Dale dies, they, Rick says to honor him, that's how we're going to live to try to be better people and to hang on to our humanity. And they keep forgetting it and remembering it and rem- forgetting it and remembering it. And like, yeah, that's the struggle. That's the journey. Yeah. For, yeah, that's, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, like for, for the show itself. Um, yeah. That that's the biggest opposing forces that every character struggles with really, really hard at different points in time and they each have to find their own reasons like it has to be a personal decision based on what they individually have been through like you can understand the higher purpose of like be a decent person but (laughs) yeah until you're in a situation where it's like oh actually being a decent person is better for Mm -hmm. me it's the better decision for me Mm mm-hmm Oh, how about Abraham? He keeps coming in on it in some like large vehicle just crashing through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean the, the dude starts off like on a mission and then when he finds out that Eugene does not in, in fact have any knowledge about what's going on or how to fix it. I am not a he scientist. Kind of loses it. His his mission is just wait, what do I do now? Yeah. Um, and then it takes deciding to to embrace life and to, you know, his relationship with Sasha. Mm-hmm. So you get that, like, making the decision in the lover's card puts you on a path and gives you a sense of direction for the chariot. Yeah. Um, Abraham's relationship with Eugene, I think of Abraham as coming from a a place of intuition and Eugene is coming from a place of knowledge. So it's like chariot intuition, magician knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I love that he, that Abraham is so kind of single focused on, (laughs) you know, he has his, like you said, he has his, um, almost like he, he gave himself his orders and these orders need to be carried out, you know? And, um, yeah, like but, he has to have a purpose. But there's always something happening that um, distracts from that. And it, it, it has a lot to do with, like, again, the humanity of others. Like, are you just going to leave these people to die when you can actually help them, even though you have to stop for a minute to still get to your destination, you know? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it takes him a minute, though, because back when they're in the church, you know, Abraham wants to go back, you know, get back on his mission, take the bus and all this stuff. And um, he wants to take Glenn with him. Then Glenn is in, mm-hmm. stuck in a situation of, do I stay with Rick and everybody or do I go with Abraham? And um, it's like, well, if you think that you're on a mission to save the whole of humanity from this crazy ass virus, mm-hmm. 
you would want to go, but then you just finish going through some craziness and you don't want to leave your people who were just out here struggling. <laughs> we were all just out here struggling. <laughs> but yeah, then Glenn has to weigh between the Sphinx of Abraham and the Sphinx of Rick, you know. I <laughs> was that interesting. Spe- speaking speaking of Glenn, I think I originally had Glenn pegged as a chariot card. Oh, I can see that. Because like he was a pizza delivery boy before the apocalypse and a lot of the pl- plot development kind of early on I mean not is it really the plot development I mean what it is is that Glenn is kind of like the runner you know Mm -hmm. like from he like he gets kidnapped by the Vatos and so Mm -hmm. then that becomes a whole episode because he's end up willingly or unwillingly traveled somewhere and then the group had to you know go and try to save him Um, and then he goes to the he he does store runs for Lori when they're on the farm. They send mm-hmm. him down the well. And these are all like high tension. You oh, know. the sports car. Oh, yeah. We love the sports car. Yo, he loves that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He goes on a run. He gets kidnapped by Merle. He wakes up from the prison, gets kidnapped by Abraham. Why was Glenn getting kidnapped so much? All the damn time. <laughs> um, Probably because he was the one out there doing the runs. But and, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that always just drove the story forward, uh, introducing yeah. different introducing char- characters. Yep. And, uh, places. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yep, yep. Um, and then not, not only that, but then that, it, you know, so that moving, that, that traveling aspect. And then he was always, um, I guess, like on the intuition side of things you know he's very like mm-hmm. a heart-centered kind of character um so i always uh yeah he, he and dale were very much on the the same page about a lot of the the moral stuff early on yeah um that's really all i have for Glenn. i talk a lot of people down from stuff you know when he talks daryl down after uh denise dies mm-hmm. he talks rick down several times mm-hmm. Just kind of like, okay, but let's like, I know you're upset right now. Let's just balance that with some logic about what's going on. Yeah. He's very even keeled. Yeah. And he's able to um, connect with people when they're in, when they're leaning too far to one side or the other and Mm -hmm. bringing them back to center a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, a couple of little concept bits. Um, the scene where we have Michonne and Rick with the steel cable between the cars taking down the, uh, the yes. herd of walkers. Yes, yes, yes. Like, I, I ha- driving I had in perfect unison. I love that. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> yep. And then the reverse of that, we have uh, Daryl and Tara kind of instigating people to get the garbage truck through the wall at the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have the patience to wait it out. Right. It's that trying to control the the outer situation when what you need to control is the your inner. own emotional state. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, man, I was thinking about that. I mean, because that's where I'm, I'm literally right there too, and uh, <clears throat> in the rewatch, and uh, I was like, "Y'all messed it all up, <laughs> right?" It's <laughs> dang so it. aggravating. <laughs> I was like, "Dang it!" <laughs> they got out. Now everybody else is all jacked up, and <laughs> get it. Um, I well, and Rosita being like. Maybe you guys just had to like do the thing to figure it out, right? Like, like of all the people, she was so gung ho about going into the sanctuary right off the bat, and then after losing Sasha, which I think it really that, surprised her that she felt that way, was yeah. like, oh, that was not the best decision I could have made. Yeah, I'm I gonna think rethink this maybe waiting is a better idea. Right, I think she like she had to go. Th- through it to understand mm-hmm. it and then trying to tell Tara and Daryl to just chill. <laughs> it's but knowing that like if I had to go through it to learn it, maybe you have to go through it to learn it. Right. But and I think right- that's part of the area too is like the the movement of it. Like you're not just sitting there statically thinking about your situation and how you're gonna handle it. You're in motion and you have to kind of course correct as you go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know what was I thinking about. Um, yeah, cor- yeah, that's true. Cause, yeah, the chariot is very much like go, go, go. You know, I was thinking about when they were chasing. Uh, Rick and Arrow were chasing that saviors. Car, oh, that like yeah. cha- that chasing, and it really there's nothing significant other than it's very much just go 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 and like what you were saying, um, them having a course correct to like get the guy to you know stop the truck mm-hmm. or whatever it is, well, and, um, and Daryl kind of like crashes or falls off at one point, and Rick kind of glances back, but it's like I can only control my own vehicle, yes. my own direction. And just has to trust that Daryl will catch up. And he does. And he does, yeah. Which is actually what allows him to then make that kill shot. Like you said, like Mm -hmm. Rick moves over to the side. But it requires like keeping your eyes on your own page. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then of course, um, speaking of Daryl, his vehicle is an iconic, you know, Mm -hmm. piece of equipment on the show <laughs> piece of equipment what am i saying um but yeah him and him and his bike man that thing's been yeah. there since the beginning and uh i mean whether he changes it out or not it's just he always has a bike and it's one that he works on himself this is not like yeah oh i found this brand new bike this is like you know i built this thing with my own two hands it's definitely part like, of his very character his he mm-hmm. gets really upset when Dwight steals that thing. Oh, yeah, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> and know. the vest. What a dick. And the crossbow. Listen, you know, <laughs> and, and then it's, you know, behind the scenes or whatever. It's just kind of funny because D- Dwight stealing that stuff in the show is the show course correcting. <laughs> where it came from because all those attributes are Dwight's attributes not there's no Daryl in there is the no comic Darryl book yeah. 
So really, who stole whose stuff? You know what I mean? <laughs> You're not <even> real. <laughs> so there's so there's that in terms of the show course correcting these two characters <laughs> with these two kind of on opposite sides with similar yeah, attributions. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> But when you watch the show, yeah, you're still like, Dwight, you're a dick. Why the <laughs> So speaking of, of vehicles, at this point, like, okay, I always think about it like it's season eight. So is it that eight years have gone by? And I don't think that that's right. In this show, it's not. No. Cause, ex- let's see, because Judith is like, what, three or four? She's still, yeah. She's still a toddler. It's still, okay, that's still four or five years, though. Be, the reason why I even brought it up was because I always w- was interested in, like, how is it that everybody has gas still? <laughs> yeah. And so I was trying to do some uh, Google research, you know. And from what from what I read is that conventional gas is good sitting in a car anywhere between three months to three years mm-hmm. um one one thing set up to six years but i think it depends like on the quality of the gas um and whether mm-hmm. it's just like conventional or diesel and stuff like this so i'm just like okay so we're five years into the apocalypse and we can still siphon gas and get these cars and trucks and everything moving question mark yeah unless they found drums that were properly stored somewhere i mean we see them carrying like a gas cannon hose so it's like you're definitely still siphoning i mean i guess if you're in that situation you're still gonna try to use it anyways yeah but it's there may as well give it a shot (laughs) yeah i don't know it was a weird like one like thing in my own brain like kind of is that true this true i don't know if this is well and then as we get later on and they start converting cars into wagons that are drawn by horses yeah they do they do at least acknowledge that it that's not the situation forever so yeah i'm glad about that (laughs) because we don't have a sense of time in the show we just know that it keeps moving forward yeah like you said i think all you have to base it on is like how old the kid is yeah or how old judith is you know (laughs) so i have like a like a scene that always uh reminded me of the chariot card Mm -hmm. which is michonne's entrance scene yeah and i think about her being introduced you know she has the two walkers that are uh, essentially her brother and her her husband from the previous life uh, at mm-hmm. that point, she'd been on the road by herself for a really long time beforehand. I don't know how to explain it. It's just for the scene itself, it's very evocative of kind of like the chariot card because she just mm-hmm. has the two things, um, the two the two walkers. Um, and at that point, she's kind of world weary, you know. So she oh, has her sure. armor up. And yeah, she lets Andrea in, but like at that point we don't really know her as a character and so she just seems very very tough and isolated but nevertheless she traveled a long way by herself Mm -hmm. working in between with a physical representation but i'm sure an emotional weight of balancing you know 
Oh, what, yeah. What she do do next and all that stuff. So, And, like, finding her direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's kind of just wandering out there, just surviving. Oh, yeah. No real, no real, no clear purpose at that Even point. And she and Andrea team up. They're yeah. still just on the road going. They don't know mm-hmm. where they're going yet. Mm-hmm. Almost like still struggling with the past, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they both have a lot of stuff to work through. Yeah, definitely. I could, I could argue Gabriel. Okay. He's got uh, reconciling the guilt of, <laughs> excuse me, what he has done in the past, um, locking his congregation out of the church, mm-hmm. with helping to keep this new community, the you know Team Rick, um, wanted to be a part of that community, but also to figure out where they're going, what their deal is. Mm. Um, and, you know, kind of sensing his way through that in a very, like, Cancerian, emotion-based way. Yeah. And, um, and balancing his actions with that, his his moral sense. Like, what seems right to me in this situation. And, again, course correcting. He has a lot of missteps. Um, could go in a better direction yeah because yeah okay so would could an argument be made that gabriel for a while he kind of is like an in an escapism kind of mind frame yeah um and and eventually he does course correct like you said but uh in that in that kind of cancerian uh, emotion-based way. It's just he doesn't want to see the reality. He he. It's there. It's in front of yeah, him. It's like it's like he's armored himself against reality. Like his he, yes. He wants to believe that he can be this like moral guide, but it's like you have to reconcile the fact that you've made not so moral decisions, and that you are human. These people are human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'm I for some reason I'm thinking about this one scene with Gabriel where he's he he's he's outside by himself and there's a zombie on the road and he has is probably the first time we see him deal with a zombie um and he has to then kill that zombie. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. I think he uses a rock up from the road that he finds mm-hmm. in order to to do that and he just you know, when it's done, he just falls to his knees and he starts crying. And it's like, he knows what, like you said, what, what he did with his, like his congregation out, which made them turn into, to walkers. But, um, and that emotional thing for him is that he's, a, you know, he's a, he's a priest, right? He, mm-hmm. he, even, even though it's a walker for him, it's still like killing a person. I yeah. think it, and, um, it's a reality that he was he kept himself locked in that church so he didn't have to try mm-hmm. to really face face it you know mm-hmm. which i would think would have a double weight because those zombies would be the faces of your congregation so you know yeah okay yeah i'm trying to think if there's any other characters that have like a moment of escapism where um 
And it's not, it's not an escapism. Like for him, it's a very conscious escapism. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's so shell He's literally like running away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a forward movement. Yeah. Like a running away. Yeah. Of the thing. Which Carol, I guess we could say she kind of did that too when she went to the kingdom and then moved into that little house. She didn't mm-hmm. want to deal with the saviors. She didn't want to have to. Yeah. She just kind of wanted it to go away. It's yeah. like, that's yeah. the best you could do is put yourself away. And she was like, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a conscious, a conscious decision to step away. Um, yeah. But she, I think she just maybe more needed a breather, but it was still an escapism to not maybe as a high degree as Gabriel early on in mm-hmm. uh, his character arc. Um, yeah, she at least has the windows rolled down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Um, shoot. Do we have anybody else who, who kind of, now I'm trying to think about escapism in general and... Um, Eugene, when he goes to the sanctuary, he doesn't want to go to the sanctuary, but as soon as he's there, he's like, okay, I will, I'll be a savior. And he really struggles with that moral choice of like, which side am I on? What do I believe in? Who do I side with? Yeah. he He talks about it being about surviving and it's like, but what's the point of surviving if there isn't something more? And he's just figuring that out, that he he really does care. Yeah, that's about the time. Yeah, no, Eugene is good because they're giving him pickles. He got video games at the, sanctu- uh, the sanctuary. And uh, when... Getting to have, like, little parties with uh, Negan's wives. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> when Sasha is basically begging him to help her... Give me, she's like, give mm-hmm. me a knife. Give me a piece of glass. It doesn't matter. Give me something to, to help me. Um, mm-hmm. You could, the, I, I believe that's kind of the beginning of Eugene's having to face up to that kind of escapism. That's like the first mm-hmm. step in a series of steps that get gets him. Uh, m- well, that one was so interesting because I, I definitely had the impression that Sasha was looking for something to kill Negan. Mm-hmm. And so when she gets these pills, it's like, okay, well, fuck, what do I do? How do I use this to still accomplish my goal? And sacrificing herself for that to become the weapon. She turned herself into a weapon, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, seeing that decisiveness in Sasha kind of started Eugene on this this path. Yeah, yeah. where he has to figure out. Like, okay, Eugene is a very mercurial character. We we did discuss that before. <laughs> and with that being said, it's that he plays bo- both sides, not for malicious purposes, but for for his own survival purposes, for, so he yeah. could just live, right? And like you said, Sasha making that one decision, now Eugene has to grapple with what side is he going to commit to? Mm-hmm. He can't keep playing it both ways. And he knows that, yeah. that that's, you know, upcoming. But for a long time, he was just satisfied just living in kind of this fantasy land. Like, 
And just letting others control his direction. Like yeah. not making the decision. Like you get brought to the sanctuary, you become a savior. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. And realizing that he has a choice. Mm-hmm. Eugene for the win. <laughs> That's the truth. And Eugene mullet. <laughs> That's the truth. I think it's more it- and more epic as we go. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, he he really grows as a character uh, up to this point because I, <laughs> I just finished watching the the scene where Eugene walks in. Okay, so Gabriel's captured at this point. He's sick and mm, he's in yeah. a sanctuary. He's laying in the bed and Eugene goes in there and he starts screaming at Gabriel. <laughs> And I, uh, but he has that whole monologue. He has a whole monologue, and the great thing about that is it's the first time where you really get like a real Eugene moment. What he's thinking, yeah. what he's feeling, what yeah. he's struggling with, what he's trying to come to terms with, and he's basically confessing that to our priest Gabriel here. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but it, what was funny about it was, as I'm just casually watching it, I'm like. The man is sick as a dog in the bed. Why are you screaming at him? <laughs> yeah, he's probably like completely out of it. He's got yeah. a fever of like 104. Right. <laughs> That's how I was thinking you know, about this. Gabriel looks around like, what? Who just yeah. said that? <laughs> exactly. I started cracking up too. Because if it was me, I'd have been like, what is happening? Why are you yelling? Like I wouldn't have retained anything that was coming at me at all. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's good. Okay. Enough about escapism. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Carl. Okay. I mean, he's learning in terms of, especially in terms of like um, the developed ego, because he's a kid when we start off. Sure. So he's learning um, emotional regulation and um, expressing his feelings in a constructive way during the zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard enough to be a teenager, and he's doing this in end-of-world times. So he's making much bigger decisions at a much younger age. Mm-hmm. And finding that um, that, that way to constructively use the quote-unquote negative uh, emotions, anger, grief, um, controlling the, the urge to get revenge – and mm-hmm. learning lessons and, you know, figuring out what his will is and how to direct it. Mm-hmm. And, like, his whole speech um, at the end when he's telling Rick, um, thank you for making me who I am, like, get it for getting me here. And Rick is like, oh, I'm, I just didn't want you inside that sewer anymore. And he's like, no, 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 like, where I am as a, As a person, person so that I yeah, can be who I am. You know, helping him realize the the path, right? And he does have a lot of. We talked about the um, the kid that he kills after Woodbury, mm-hmm. as the kid is about to give him the gun, and he shoots him, and um, Herschel sees it, mm-hmm. and Herschel as this you know very moral ethical character. And goes straight to Rick and tells him what's going on. And and that's when Rick decides to set aside his fighting nature and 
do the farmer thing yep. for Carl. Yep. To like show the proper path. Yeah. Carl. I'm not ready. Carl. Carl. And then the, the fact that Carl, you know, passes on the hat to Judith as he's dying. So that mm-hmm. it's this, you know, Rick helps you figure your shit out and then you pass that energy and drive on to Judith, who yeah. absolutely picks up that mantle. Yeah, she does. And, I mean, Judith, too, honestly. For, what, eight, ten years old? She is very sure of where she stands about things. Yeah. She's sharp as a whip, man. Like, And just, like, understanding and good. Like, she's the only one that talks to Negan when he's in prison. She, like, sits on the steps and has conversations with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Judith fits the chariot card very, very well, too. Um, because for her, it's her dad and, or her mom and Negan at that point are her two kind of, mm-hmm. um, bigger, bigger influences in terms of the lessons that she's retaining. Mm-hmm. Um, which are two very different pulls, you know. Yeah. You know, by the time by the time that Judith becomes not a prop in the story, but a character in the story. Yeah. Um, because for a while. When we get that big time jump. Yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. the longest time she's just a little little thing. Yeah. Um didn't she give Negan a compass or he took it from her and he gave it back to her? Or I don't know. I think there was a compass there. No, I'm bringing up the compass because of the chariot card, right? Mm-hmm. The direct the direction. And yeah. things. There's a, all these. We we talked about the iconic. Um, oh God, the iconic items of the mm, of the yeah. show, and that compass becomes a becomes a weighted kind of iconic thing between Judith and Negan. Mm-hmm. And at that point, um, while Judith is still young and she's you know very much about saving people and all this kinds of kinds of things she still treats negan as a person because she didn't experience all those atrocities that he did beforehand she's just heard the stories and at the same time negan's character is starting to shift and become more nuanced and become more complex and so the compass Mm -hmm. is very metaphorical for him figuring out what his opposing forces are and like what mm-hmm. his direction is supposed to be at that point. Once he realized the sanctuary is gone. Cause I think he's, his ego is still holding on to that. Oh, yeah. oh man, if they're there, we're going to come, you know, I don't, I don't well, know. what he, yeah. When they, when they have uh, Lucille and he's like, I just want Lucille back. And it's yeah. like, no, it's never going to happen. Right. Like he, he has this idea that he can still, regain that power if he can get a hold of those symbols and it's like those symbols don't mean anything in mm-hmm. and of themselves right it's what you do with them right and we don't even know how long really Negan was locked up for before he goes and attempts that journey yeah to even can still think about trying the world moved on without him and there was nothing for him mm-hmm. to to grab onto. So then, at that point, like you said, uh, you know, course correct and figure out what the heck he's gonna do now. 
you know. Well, and he's so in, he he's so influenced by both Carl and Judith. Like they are the really the moral guides for him. And it's two people who are very young but have mm-hmm. a firm grasp on their values and aligning their actions with those values. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have that. So that's a something that he's learning from them. Yeah. That's helping him to course correct. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, the I only have one last little tidbit that I thought might fit here. microwave at me so I'm just gonna say something my mom used to say and hope for the best here whatever you have of good spend on the traveler my mom said that that helping the traveler person without a home that's everything I'm sure you've seen things been through things you don't trust people I get it I get it I don't either. I've been through things too. My mom. She also said that may my mercy prevail over my wrath. Even if we were considering the full card as a, you know, the beginning of the journey and the chariot as a, as a recalibration of that journey. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah. It. It's still. Well, and. Uh, uh, Rick and Carl talk about that where when uh, Sadiq says, yes, I, I was a resident and uh, yeah, I'm a doctor. Right. And uh, and Rick is like, oh, so you, you knew that, Carl, when you saved him. And he was like, no, he just needed help. Yeah. And it's like when when you are coming from a place, when, when your actions line up with your values, things move smoothly. Things progress in the way that they're supposed to. You're in the, going in the right direction. All right. I am. I think I'm good. Yeah. All right. That was was everything I had for the chariot. All right. Cool. Um, So, yeah, same here. And um, for you lovely listeners, the question to consider this week um, is, well, the questions. There's a couple. Um, What is your intention for the future and how you manifest it is is something keeping you distracted how can you recommit to your goal and what can you do to reestablish control and or balance oh i like that yeah you know journal it whatever just something to consider um it, it this card has a more undercurrent of an energy that is very personal. So mm-hmm. I don't really mm-hmm. expect anybody to like, you know, put all their business out <laughs> there like that. So, <laughs> um, and then of course, if there's any other in- insights that you have in terms of the chariot card and the walking dead, and you want to share that feedback with us, please feel free to do so. Don't forget about that voicemail that I said we have on tarotnerds.com. I'd love to hear your lovely voices. Um, don't forget to subscribe so you know when we upload a new episode, we can be found on all your 
podcatchers. <laughs> Additional information on this episode can be found on our website, tarotnerds.com, in case you want a quick reference to the topics discussed. Next episode. You can also we'll, email us. Oh, yes, at podcasttarotnerds at gmail.com. <laughs> that will be in the podcast notes. <laughs> <laughs> next week or next episode, we will be discussing strength. And we hope you found this insightful and fun. Thank you for listening to TV and Tarot Talk. No matter where you are, don't forget to take some time out of your week to chill, chill chat, chat, and tarot. And tarot. <laughs> for, <laughs> I think, what are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> We're going like, to nail that one time and then just like throw it in. <laughs> Catch you on the next episode, everybody. Say bye, Meg. Bye. Peace, everyone. Thank you.